0: However, and wherever you listen to Vision, you can be sure that the announcers, programs and music will help you look to God daily.
1: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective 2020 on Vision And today we're catching up with my good buddy Mark Matthews. He's a coach who works with people who are caring for people on the margins, people that might be homeless or doing it tough. He's an author, speaker, and a mighty man of God. Welcome along, Mark. How are you, my brother?
0: Hey, Matt. Good to be talking with you, mate. Yeah, I'm I'm feeling great and um, all the better for connecting with you.
1: <laughs> Thanks for joining us today, mate. Tell us a bit of your story. Where were you born and raised?
0: Well, I was born in Melbourne, in uh, Coburg, which is uh, uh, an inner north suburb of, uh, of Melbourne. Uh, spent a fair bit of my time uh, in the outer eastern suburbs of Melbourne back in the 60s and the 70s. Um, you know, aspiring middle class, a lot of uh, English and Dutch um, migrants out in the suburb that uh, I grew up in and then ended up in a, a country town in New South Wales, a town called Nara. Okay. Uh, which was a, a very challenging time and place for me to be living in at uh, at the age of fifteen, and uh, found myself uh, sadly in that circumstance. Found myself homeless, uh, really, as a consequence of uh, you know some significant dysfunction within uh, my my family life. Uh, so yeah, and so then wandered from uh, that town, Nauru, uh, back down to Melbourne in very challenging circumstances and was taken in by my Irish uncle. Uh, he had the strange Irish name of Patrick. Matt, can you believe that? <laughs> uh, and uh, and um, my Uncle Pat, uh, I lived with him for a few years and uh, he took me under his wing and he mentored me and that was really pivotal uh, from my perspective in terms of getting me back onto some sort of sense of stability and certainty and security in life.
1: Well, wow, it's an amazing story of a young guy who was literally at rock bottom at the age of fifteen and homeless, and now here you are helping people uh, get out of homelessness in in your current work. We're going to get to that soon, but let's just backtrack a bit. So, when you found yourself homeless, uh, mm. was it was it dangerous? Like, how how did you get food? How did you where did you find a place to sleep? Like, what was it like uh, as a fifteen year old kid on the
0: streets? Oh, it was very scary, mate. It was really scary. Um, so I was living in a tent in a cave, <laughs> it sounds really strange, uh, down by a creek in that town of uh and, uh and in that I was doing a little bit of couch surfing, um, mooching off friends, um, just relying really on the, the, the charity and uh, the, the goodwill, if you like. Of uh, of the parents of, of some of my friends, um, you know, and some of that couch surfing was also um, in you know the homes of, of my friends, but I couldn't stay for long, so no, most of it was uh, in in that tent in a cave, um, and you know it was it was quite frightening, quite intimidating. I mean, at fifteen, sixteen, mate, you're you're not uh, you know you, you, you're not fully formed, obviously, as uh, as a, a person, emotionally, psychologically. Um, so it's quite traumatic, and I've I've had to do a lot of work um, as a consequence of uh, of that that journey. Wow. Um, and look, in sharing that with you, mate, there's no judgment um, at all towards my you know parents in in any of that because they just had their own issues. Mm. Um, and and I'm in a sweet spot now with uh, both my mother and father, and my dad still lives in Nara actually. Um, but yeah, it was intimidating, it was frightening, um, uh, you know, anxiety provoking. Uh, And, you know, just trying to sort of work out how you're going to survive each day. And uh, and in the midst of all of that, mate, um, you know, I was um, binge drinking, binge drug taking, uh, got involved with some sort of very heavy characters uh, locally who um, were quite threatening toward me, which basically prompted me to have to leave town and go and live with my uncle. So... It was intimidating and very frightening. It took me a long time, a long time, to move through a journey of healing uh, to be able to feel that, you know, the scars, emotional and psychological and spiritual, um, as a consequence of that aspect of my life journey, to to see those scars healed and no longer control me.
1: Well, it's a heartbreaking story, you know, homeless as a a teenager, but it's also a story of hope because... Here you are now, rescuing people from the same issues that you've been through. And, uh, you know, you're a champion bloke. You've, you've released a book. You've got, uh, you know, you're coaching people all around Australia, helping them in their charities now. It's an incredible story. We will get to that. But let me just go back to Uncle Patrick. What a legend to take you in and take you under his wing. Um, was that also a part of your faith journey?
0: Yeah, it was. So Uncle Pat um, is, was an interesting guy. He's departed he's this planet now. Um, an interesting fellow. He had a Catholic faith. Um, he's very, very well known in Irish circles in, in northern Melbourne uh, because he was very connected with the Alcoholics Anonymous scene. So there are many, many Irish families uh, here in Melbourne, uh, but also back over in Ireland itself, Uh, who uh, credit my uncle, Uncle Pat, with being a really positive mentor for many other Irish guys that were battling with, uh, with alcoholism. And that was a problem for my uncle as well. And he himself, it's a strange journey, mate. He himself was... Um, Pretty much kicked out of Ireland, kicked out of the family home by his own father. So in his father's mind, he brought shame upon the family. So his father gave him a one-way ticket to Australia with some cash and said, don't come back. And in my uncle's homelessness, he was mentored by a Methodist minister who was also a social worker by the name of Bob Uren. So there's been this sort of thread, this legacy of of mentoring through this story of homelessness that's quite remarkable, to be honest. Uh, And uh, so Uncle Pat was mentored by the Methodist minister, Bob Uren. I'm very certain that uh, the way that Bob carried himself, the way that Bob uh, had his worldview was passed on to Uncle Pat. Uncle Pat had this Catholic faith. Um, but he had a way of being that was able to draw out the best in me and help me to see the best in myself rather than, you know, that self-criticism that sort of governs your thinking, I think, when when you're a 15-, 16-year-old homeless kid. Wow.
1: And tell us, tell us mm-hmm. about your conversion experience. How did you come to Christ?
0: Yeah, well, uh, I came to faith in Jesus Christ in my early 30s. So I'd always had this sense that, God was there. Uh, I'd had this sense uh, that one day maybe I would commit my life to Jesus Christ. Um, when we were living in Melbourne as a family, before we'd moved to that country town in New South Wales, before we'd moved to Nara, uh, I used to, my mother and father surprisingly were quite okay with this. I used to just take myself off to the local Baptist church Sunday school. Uh, around the corner from where we live. So that was a bit strange when you think about it. But upon reflection, I sort of think, oh, that was obviously the spirit of God drawing me in. And so there were some foundational um, spiritual um, aspects to life that were obviously being laid in in that part of my journey. Uh, And then, you know, I was connected with different Christians just in my general sort of walk in life who were speaking into my life over a period of time. Uh, and then my my wife's uncle, so my wife Trish, beautiful Trish comes from a, a large Catholic Dutch family and there was one particular uh, uncle of hers uh, who um, was born again Christian who Um, Somehow or other, just uh, instinctively, perhaps it was spirit-led, just wanted to connect with me. And through that connection with him, I started to gain a deeper understanding of who Jesus Christ was. And finally, in my early 30s, mate, uh, I'd hit a bit of a crisis in my workspace. And it was in that crisis where I surrendered my heart to Jesus Christ in my lounge room at home. And uh, I said to the Lord, I was listening to uh, a Christian tape from an evangelist from New Zealand. An end times guy, um, Barry Smith was his name.
1: I remember him,
0: Yep, uh, yep. yep. He said, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Today, if you hear his voice, you know, turn to the Lord. And so I gave my heart to the Lord listening to that guy, um, went to bed, said to Trish, I've just become a Christian. And she said, yep, that's nice. Go back to sleep. (laughs) So so that was the beginning of, of my story. And then from there, mate, I mean, we all know the journey, you know, you're not completely recovered from the, the, the trauma of, of your life necessarily instantaneously. Um, but the journey's been a, a, a journey of engaging with God and the beauty of God and the, the empowering presence of his spirit to bring me into a deeper space of connection with, uh, with him and, uh, and, and healing out of all of that. And so from there, uh, my wife became a Christian, my, my two children um, made uh, faith uh, faith commitments as, as kids, um, and, uh, and now I'm working for the church. Awesome,
1: mate. And, you know, I've been so blessed to get to know you over the last couple of years. You've been coaching me in the charity work I do with our Soup Kitchen and our outreach, and, and you know, you, you've really got an incredible position because you're working for Crossway Baptist, the, the largest Baptist church in Australia, and uh, you're coaching other charities who are reaching out to the last, the least, and the lost. And you've released a book recently called Ordinary Mentoring for Extraordinary Transformation. Tell us a Mm -hmm. bit about this
0: book. Well, the book, Toby Baxter and I have co-authored this book. So Toby and I have done a lot of work together in the mentoring space around Australia and overseas. Uh, Coach Community Mentoring is a a program, for want of a better term, I'd rather call it a ministry. Um, uh, Coach Community Mentoring is a ministry that Toby and I have co-authored and uh, is now operational uh, around Australia and overseas. Uh, And uh, we both had this sort of dream separately, really. Uh, an aspiration within our heart to one day write a book. And as a matter of fact, somebody prophesied that over me many, many years ago, probably 15 years ago. And it just always sat within me that, oh, well, you know, perhaps one day that will happen. And then just in a, an ordinary conversation with Toby, we both landed on this understanding that um, we, we'd, we'd harboured this desire um, Coincidentally, well, ironically, Toby himself had been mentored by his uncle. So we had this common sort of ground in our stories. And so we felt that through the book, we had a story to tell that um, at the risk of sounding a bit arrogant, we, we thought that it was a compelling story to tell. A story to tell around, well, what, what what's uh, the sociological sort of need for mentoring? Why do we need it? Um, historically, where does it sit within different aspects of society. Um, theologically, why is mentoring a good thing? Why would God think mentoring was a good thing? And we, we complement the sociology and the theology with testimony. So lots of powerful stories of the evidence of how mentoring, uh, and in our case, it's predominantly mentoring through Christian people, how mentoring can make a difference in the lives of one person, one family, and how that in turn can have a ripple effect, a flow-on effect to others in in community.
1: Well, I've uh, been on the end of your mentoring from Toby and yourself, and I can certainly testify that uh, it has inspired me uh, to, uh, you know, think about the way I'm doing ministry and make sure that I'm raising up my team's well, and that I'm caring for the people uh, that I'm looking after with, with Jesus's heart and compassion. You know, you, you've really inspired me uh, as my mentor. So I, d- I just want to say, as a mentee, thank you for mentoring me. And you <laughs> know, I, I'd encourage people if they want to find out more, they can search up the book. It's called "Ordinary Mentoring for Extraordinary Transformation." Toby Baxter and Mark Matthews. Um, and mate, you're also uh, running your own group called the Rosebud Community. And hmm. I just wonder if you could just share with us. You know, maybe just one story of someone who's had their life transformed through this group because I've heard plenty of them. Just share with me one of your favorite stories from from your group you run.
0: Yeah, sure. Okay, so very quickly, uh, I'm involved in a uh, a ministry called Empowered Faith Communities, which we're rolling out nationally. And it's about building community and church, you know, community with a discipleship thread uh, for people on the margins who might not feel that they could easily fit within a mainstream middle-class church context. Um, So we're pitching that to people who are homeless, people that are living in rooming houses, caravan parks, insecure housing, struggling with addiction issues and mental health stuff. So uh, I'm team leading a community uh, in Rosebud in Victoria, uh, and, uh, and there's some amazing testimonies within that. Um, I think one of the most compelling stories for me is a woman by the name of Sharon, so I'm allowed to share her story. Um, we've, we've mentioned Sharon in our book, actually, and uh, in some of our uh, training materials around empowered faith communities. Um, so Sharon joined our community in a context of homelessness. She was living in a tin shed. Uh, don't think a converted tin shed, Matt. Um, it was a tin shed, dirt floor, couch, Um, She found herself homeless as a consequence of a violent relationship that she was in. So she left a violent perpetrator. She arrived in our community with the worst black eye that I'd ever seen. I'd worked in the area of homelessness before beginning with, uh, with the church. She had the worst black eye I'd ever seen. Uh, she started to engage in our community. We've got strategies and ways of connecting with people um, who who come in around a community meal. It starts with a community meal. Um, so we've got ways of connecting with Sharon, uh, where she developed a sense of belonging. She moved from being a stranger at the meal table to developing a sense of belonging. Uh, she uh, then engaged in the Alpha course and came to a faith in Jesus Christ. Awesome. And she said to me, she came to me and she said, oh, I'd like to run this alpha course for my community. So this lady who was experiencing homelessness uh, has now run this alpha course for her community, for other people who are experiencing homelessness. She's run that alpha course twice now. So we had a, a trained coach mentor walking alongside her, empowering her and equipping her with what she needed to make it happen. And so through Sharon's efforts in offering the alpha course to other people experiencing homelessness, Um, others have come to faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what we're seeing. That's what we're seeing in our community. We're seeing people who are homeless coming to faith in Jesus Christ, who are sharing their faith with other people who are experiencing homelessness, uh, and those people that are hearing that good news themselves coming to faith in Jesus Christ and joining our community. And that's not a unique thing to Rosebud itself because that's what Toby Baxter, Sam Hearn, another colleague of mine and, uh, and I are sharing with the nation as well. So- Church leaders want to know about how to build a discipleship culture with people experiencing homelessness and doing life tough. We're now seeing similar sort of outcomes with other churches around the nation as a consequence of the support and the partnerships that we're developing with them.
1: Yeah, love it, mate. It's a great story. And I know you've got many more stories. I've heard a bunch of them. It's inspirational to hear what you're doing uh, in, in Rosebud there. And, uh, mate, it's just amazing that, you know, a, a bloke like you who was homeless at the age of 15, uh, you know, and now God has used you, and you know you, God can use even Collingwood supporters these days, can't he? Hey, huh?
0: <laughs> well, mate, that's a, that's a miracle in itself, isn't it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, you're the only Collingwood supporter I know that's got all his teeth. It's amazing. It's been really good to. <laughs>
0: well, you, you never know, mate. That could be falsies. <laughs> <laughs> could be. I,
1: I had to bring that in because I know you love your footy, mate. Um, we do, do have mate. to get going, but uh, if people want to yep. find out more about your book. And your ministry—is there a website you can direct them to?
0: Yeah, coachnetwork.org uh, or esc.org if you—that's um, empowered faith communities. If you want to have a look at uh, our materials, some of the work that we're doing. Pop onto those uh, those websites and you'll find us and uh, you'll, uh, you'll be able to have a look at the book. Uh, well, not read the book, obviously, but you'll see the book uh, there. But you'll also see some of the other work that we're doing in partnership with churches around coach community mentoring. So that's one-on-one mentoring with people doing life tough uh, or empowered faith communities, developing faith communities for people doing life tough. You'll see all the info that you need on those.
1: Well, Mark, it's been awesome to hear your story today. Thanks for joining us. God bless you, mate. Thanks so much.